This is uh, the last of our series on Hallel, and it's time to be completed in time for Hallel, which uh, everybody will agree is um, Hallel, which is uh, Mitzvah de Rabbanan. Uh, the Ramban will claim it's actually Hallel Doraita, which we're going to be singing on this Friday morning on Shavuot. Um, and of course, uh, many of us said Hallel um, a week ago, last Friday. Uh, uh, with um, total gratitude and happiness. Uh, and so we got most of the way through Hallel in time for Yom Yerushalayim. But now we'll complete it in time for Shavuot. Um, this last parak, which is the longest parak of any of the parakim in this section, uh, is a little bit confusing because it seems to shift back and forth between not only modes, but also persons. In other words, some of it seems to be public and seems to be um, speaking for a group, on behalf of a group, some of it seems to be individual. Now, we've seen both of those modes in the earlier prakim. So, for instance, the first parak was clearly public, as was the second, it's Eight Yisrael. Uh, the third also seemed to be public, but the fourth, which is Ahavti and Mashiv, is all in the singular. It seems to be about one person's individual experience that they're relating and using as a teaching moment for everybody around them. Um, the very short parak that we did last week is also clearly public. And this one starts that way, but then it shifts. So the only way to really decipher what's going on in this parak is for us to go through pasuk by pasuk. And we're going to do the same four things that we do anytime we study Tehillim. The first thing we got to do is to understand what the words mean. And the second thing that we have to do is to understand um, what the structure of the parak is, because as poetry, it's structured into stanzas, and understand how the components of each stanza hang together and is distinct from other stanzas, and then how those stanzas relate to each other. And the third thing we got to do is try to figure out what's the message of the parak. Uh, and the fourth, which is that we have to do every time that we are engaging in the study of a parak of Tehillim, it's used in liturgy is to understand why it is in this particular piece of liturgy or at that particular occasion when it's recited. Now, as we've been doing in Hallel, that becomes a twofold issue. One is, what is its role within the context of Hallel? And then the larger question is, why is Hallel, including that particular parak, uh, said on the occasions that it's said? So going back to the very beginning of the series, when is Hallel essentially said? So, based on the Gemara and Arachin, which is the fullest treatment of it on Dafyod, Hallel is said on one of two types of occasions, and then I'll add in a third. The first type of occasion that's said is is Beregel. Meaning it, it's part of what the Regel experience is, and that is the first treatment of the Gemara there, which says, um, why, which asks the question, why Hallel is said on every day of Sukkot and not said on every day of Pesach. It's only said on the first day of Pesach. And the Gemara then answers, because every day of Sukkot has a unique korban, whereas Pesach has the same korban every day. The Gemara then asks, if that's the case, then it should be said on Shabbat. Because Shabbat is a different korban than the day before. Then, oh, no, Shabbat is is um, is not called a moed, in a sense, although it's really included in Moed Hashem. So, okay, then Rosh Chodesh should be included. So Rosh Chodesh doesn't have an Isra Malacha. And so it goes through all of these um, definitions, 
that are there to explain an already pre-existing list, which is we say halal on the first day of Pesach, we say halal on the day of Shavuot, we say halal on all eight days of Sukkot. But then the Gemara has a problem that all of the definitions that worked for those days should also work for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And it come and, and the response is a little bit jarring because after going through a very technical uh definitional um um narrowing and tapering of the days in which we say hallel, because that day doesn't include this component of a different korban than the day before, and that this day doesn't have an isamalacha, this day is not called a moed. When it comes to Rosh Hashanah Kippur, we go into the realm of Agadah. Where the Malachim come before Kodesh Baruch Hu and say, How come Ben Israel aren't saying Shiran, Rosh Hashanah Kippur? And Kodesh Baruch Hu's answer is, They have their life on the line. Well, how can they say Shira? That doesn't fit the mood. So suddenly it's about the mood of the day. But all of that said and done leaves us with one big problem, which is the eight days of Hanukkah. Because Hanukkah doesn't have any of those things. And the answer the Gemara gives is because of the Nes. Which means that there now are two different motivators for saying Hallel. One of them is a regel, and the other is on the occasion of commemorating a nace. That leads, of course, to the famous question why we don't say Hallel on Purim, which I'm not going to go into now. Uh, however, uh, that duality fits the model in, in the end of Arve Psachim when the Gemara asked, we looked at the source in the first session, which is, I think, about eight weeks ago we did it. Um, which was who composed Hallel, and after all the different proposals were made, that it was Ben Yisrael at Yam Tzuf, it was Yoshua, it was Voran Barak, it was Chizkiyahu, it was Hanani Mishra Zari, it was Mordechai and Esther, finally the last opinion is Nevi'im Shebeinehem, and Beneim, it's unclear, Beneim, the Nevi'im among which members of Ben Yisrael established Hallel, that they should say it, Al kol perek u perek, al kol tzarav tzarav, they established hollow that should be said at regular junctures. It's like every paragraph is like the regalim, meaning uh, every few months you're going to say hollow. And then I'll quote Saravit Sarash for every trouble that happens, then when they are redeemed from that trouble, then they'll say this hollow uh, for their redemption. So in other words, it's like a way to have something in your back pocket that when you're under threat and then you're saved from that threat, and presumably when you're under the threat, you're praying in a different mode. And when you're saved from that threat by Kodesh Baruch Hu, here's something that's ready to go that you can use to thank God for that redemption. However, that's kind of Hanukkah and kind of not Hanukkah because Hanukkah is not a time of redemption. It's an anniversary of redemption. And so, like I said, there's two modes, but one of them has two components to it. One mode is parak, and that's every time the regal and the Ramban maintains that that halal is the oraita, as part of the kiyum of simchat regal, simchat Um And then there's nes, and nes is both on the occasion when the nes actually happens, and that's the famous passage in the Sheiltot on Parshat Vayishlach. And then there is the anniversary of the nes, which then is Hanukkah, and then many of us have appropriated that also for Yom Yom anniversary of the nes. Okay, so that's the the uh, when Hallel is said. And so then again, when we come back to our parak, which is the finale of Hallel, we have to see how it fits within the contours of those two types of occasions. As I said before, all of Pirkei Tehillim 
are primarily um, not necessarily composed as a result of, but composed with the aim of, and are canonized, certainly, with the aim of being sung in the Mikdash by the Levi'im, performed, etc., often antiphonally, call and response, or by two groups of Levi'im having different parts. So we're going to see all of that here. Let's go through the parak. The first thing you do is translate it. Now, this time, because of the layout of the parak, I have the translation right there on the screen, uh, facing the Hebrew, facing the English, facing the Hebrew, but I'm not going to even look in that direction because I hopefully will do a little better than whatever's written there. Now, Hodula Kitov I just have to share a pet peeve, uh, is that uh, there are many words, including words that are commonly said in Tzvilavet uh, Sibur, that are commonly mispronounced. And the mispronunciation uh, is some, sometimes is a little bit funny, but certainly the mispronunciation is also a misrepresentation of what's being said. So, for instance, here, people will often say this first word as Hodu. You know, Hodu is the name of a country, and uh, Hodu for us is also the name of a kind of uh, a bird, Tarnigol uh, Hodu. But but the word here is Hodu, and it makes a world of, dif- of difference, because Hodu is a command. Right? Hodu Lashem Kito. You are to give thanks to Hashem that he is good. He Leolam Chazdo. Now, um, the question is, how is this supposed to be recited? And who's saying it? So it's clear that there's somebody or a group that's saying this to another group because they're speaking in the plural. And we'll see who that group is or who those groups are. And so we'll now call it the Levine Choir or the Levy Leader turns to the group, we have to see where this group is, and says, give thanks to Hashem that he is good. Now, what's the group supposed to do at that point? And you have several options. One option is do nothing. Another option is say amen. The third option is to say the last word or last couple of words, or the first couple of words. We have several of these opinions, by the way, in the Sugya in Masachet Sotah, uh, in discussing how Bnei Israel operated in responding to Moshe at Shuatayam. Uh, the other possibility is to just use this as a cueing and repeat the words. And everybody repeats. Which, by the way, would be a fulfillment of the statement. You give thanks to God. What's the best way to give thanks to God? By repeating what you just said. But do you think about how awkward that that is? I'm telling you, you give thanks to God, and then your response is, you give thanks to God. It's a little bit strange. Uh, and now, that piece continues, Yomar na Yisrael kilom chasto, Yomru na Beitaron kilom chasto, and Yomru na Yireel Demai kilom chasto. And by the way, we've seen all three of these groups twice already in the Pirkei Halel, one of them in Perak Kuf Tetvav, um, in Kuf Tetvav uh, in the middle, just before the end of the of the the Lolanum section, the part that we skip uh, from time to time, which is Yisrael B'tach Hashem, B'tarom B'tchub Hashem, Yerashem B'tchub Hashem. And then, in the very next, in the beginning of the next section, in Kuftet Vav, which we all say every time is, Yivarach B'yit Yisrael, Hashem, Magdolim. So these three groups have already been identified as being present and represented and significant in this gathering that's happening which Hallel is part of the part of or the central piece of. And so now the leader seems to be turning to each group. 
and saying, the Levim seem to be returning to Yisrael, which is all of the assemblage that's there, that's not the other two groups. Or it's everybody. And they're saying, Yomarna Yisrael Kilir Lam Chasto. Now, we'll go through the other two other groups and ask how this response, call and response is supposed to happen. Now, Yomruna Vetaharon, the Levim clearly are turning to their brethren, the Kohanim. And then Yeruna Yirah and I, we've talked about Yirah Hashem already earlier in Kuf Tadvav, whether Yirah Hashem means it is non-Jews who are devotees of Hashem, kind of people, or whether it refers to Gerim, who are not Beit Yisrael and not Beit Aharon, maybe Yirah Hashem is the, is, the, is the group for them. Typically, one of those two approaches is taken uh, by the commentators. And so the idea is they should say Kidalam Chasto. Now, what is it that they're expected to say? And again, we have several options. So I'm part of Israel. Yomarna Yisrael Kidalam Chasto. So possibility one is Yomarna Yisrael that the Levim are turning to me and saying Yomarna Yisrael, and I'm supposed to say Kidalam Chasto. In other words, Yomarna Yisrael is all he says, and then I say Kidalam Chasto, and then the Kwanim, etc. The other possibility is that he's supposed to, he's going to say Yomarna Yisrael Kidalam Chasto. Meaning, Yisrael should acknowledge that his chesed is forever, in which case, again, I'm going to say, or maybe I'm going to say, or I'm going to repeat what he said. Now, you have to admit that repeating what he said is a little bit strange, because he's turning to me and saying, and now I'm saying, unless we interpret two different ways. The, the first time, it's Yomarna Yisrael, he's adjuring, encouraging. Yisrael should say. And now Yomarna Yisrael, the second time, is an affirmation. Yisrael indeed says, which would, which would then take the ambiguity of the word Yomar and, and utilize it in both directions. It's a very nice idea. Against that, you could argue that Yomarna Yisrael Kilan Chasto really is a cue for us to say the opening line. In other words, the Kili Alam Chasdo in Pasuk Bet, Gimel and Dalid, are short versions of the full Pasuk. The full Pasuk is, And then, And then, to keep the meter, they don't put the whole thing in there, but Kili Alam Chasdo, and that our, we're supposed to respond with that. Now, we end up doing something of a mix, because the common practice is, in many places, is to say Yomarna Yisrael with or in advance of the Shleach Tzibor, and then to answer with Hodu. However, the Achronim who suggest that do it only because they think it might be hard for us to hear all the words over Yomarna Yisrael, and we don't want to miss that, if that's indeed what the point is. However, the broad practice is that the Shleach Tzibor says, and Shleach Tzibor here is playing the role of the Levi, Yomarna Yisrael Kilam Chasto, and then we answer with what he's telling us to do, which is, all, all the way through. And this is clearly, these four psukim clearly sit separately from what follows and are a stanza by themselves, and they are introductory to the whole parak because they are invoking that everybody should give thanks to God in advance of what we're going to detail them. It's almost like we've started a second halal here. Now, let's look at the next psukim. Now notice, mean Hametzar Karatia Banani Now we've suddenly switched to an individual person talking, and it's something of a stark switch. 
because from the very powerful and communal and every different group and all thanking God for something great, suddenly an individual speaks and says, I call out to Hashem min ha-meitzar. Now, meitzar means from a very narrow place or from a matzor, meaning from a time in which I was I was closed in and unable to get out. And anani va-merchavya. God answered me ba-merchav. Merchav meaning the expanded place. Now, the narrow and expanded can be physical, can be political, can be emotional, can be existential. But one way or the other, the person is here is telling us, I was in a bad place, and I called out to Hashem, and Hashem answered me in the, in the wide place. Now, it doesn't mean he answered me and brought me to the wide place. That's not what it says. The implication is his answer to me was to bring me to the wide place. In other words, I called out to him when I was in trouble, and his, his response was to save me from the trouble. But beautifully, it's it's presented as a call and response to God. I called out to God, and he gave his answer. I called out in filah, and his answer was Yeshua, was salvation. Now notice, this is clearly an individual speaking as an individual. Not only is it in the first in the first person singular, but the 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 experience that's being described is one of an individual. And he says, Adonai li lo ira. I mean, God is with me, and therefore I have no fear. Now, the question is, is that what he experienced at the beginning? I was in trouble, but I had no fear because God is with me? Or is he saying, now that God saved me, I now know that God's always with me and I have nothing to fear. And what is it I don't fear? Meaning, nobody can do anything to me because God is with me. And God is more powerful than all people. And therefore, I'm not afraid of anything that anybody's going to do to me. And again, the question is, is this reflecting backwards and saying, I called out to God when I was in trouble because I knew I had nothing to be afraid of. Or I learned this lesson as a result of God's salvation. You can have it either way. And then he makes the comment, Adonai li be'ozrai, which is a little unusual, because God is with me among my helpers. As opposed to saying, Adonai, as we say elsewhere in Tehillim. But God is with me among my helpers. That makes it sound as if, I got lots of you know soldiers and friends and whoever helping me, and God's there with them. But in a sense, that's really how we experience it, because our mode of interacting with trouble is always to work on two parallel and simultaneous planes. One of them is the hospital, and the other is the peritillum. We don't we don't cast either one away. We don't just open up a tillum and, and dive when somebody's sick. We take them to the doctor. On the other hand, we also don't hand them to the doctor and then go golfing. We sit in the waiting room and say, tell them. And then we pray. We say, And so Hashem Hashem is with me among my helpers, really reflects that sentiment. And then, I will see my enemies. Now, important to note, in the Tanakh idiom, to look at your enemies, which actually means to look down at your enemies, means to be victorious. And the opposite of that is, for my enemies to look at me, means I'm, I've am i lost. Right? And such as we have at the beginning of David, right? You didn't allow my enemies to rejoice over me, to look down at me in the pit. In the same way now, I will see my enemies in Chavzayin, in Makash, in, 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 in right? I look down at them. 
And then he reflects the sentiment, which looks as if Chet and Tet are really together. Now, parenthetically, if you look at Vav and Zion, you see that they both start with the phrase Hashem Li. Right? And that is something we call anaphora, which which is a poetic device where you start two subsequent lines with the same word or phrase, and it creates a sort of rhythm to it. Adonai li lo li adam, Adonai li vani And then he makes the following comment. Tov ba'adam. Now that mem is what we call comparative mem. Not locative mem, that from, but rather more than. So it's better to take trust in Hashem than to trust in man. And again, you hear the same thing of Bill's right. You don't hear him saying trusting in man is a waste of time. Don't trust anybody. It's not altiv tachuvin divim, as we have in Kufmen Vav. It's saying we trust in man, but better to trust in God. Just like God is Be'oz So with somebody who is working with people, who is relying on people, they're part of the fabric of his, of his existence and the fabric of his strategy of how to get over troubles. But the main trust should be placed in God. Now, it looks like that phrase ties together and is almost repeated in Better to trust in God than to trust in princes. It's almost the same thing. You just substitute Nadivim for Adam. But you'll notice that in Pasuk Tet, we've actually shifted mode. Because Pasuk He through, through Chet are about an individual who has gone through trouble. God is with him and God has saved him. And his reflection is better to, re, to rely and to, and to take refuge in God than in man. And now that lesson seems to shift to the public and to the national playing field, the national stage. Because these next two can't be about the individual. All the nations surround me. Now the, the structure of this phrase is a little bit difficult, but all the nations surround me can't be about an individual uh, an individual person. And therefore, it's the individual speaking, I mean, it's the nation or the or the or the city speaking, typically the nation speaking in the singular voice and sort of borrowing from the previous phrase. But now, for all the nations to surround me, is not one person. So it's a, it's a city or it's a tribe or the whole nation. They've all surrounded me. Now, amilam means I'm going to cut them off. Same word as milam. I'm going to cut them off. But b'shem Adonai k'amilam, indeed, I, my trust is in Hashem, and it's b'shem Hashem, I know that I'm going to be successful in beating them in spite of the fact that they surround me. We can't say kol goyim svavunim b'shem Hashem. That makes no sense. They aren't surrounding me in the name of Hashem. I'm going to, be, I'm going to fight back and be saved b'shem Hashem. And then we add to it, sabuni gam svavuni. Sabuni is just another form of svavuni. They in, surround, indeed surrounded me, and again, b'shem Adonai k'amilam. Is he's totally comfortable with that, and then he gives some descriptions. Sabuni chidvorim doachu keish kotzim. So now they surround me like bees. In other words, they're all over the place and they're attacking me. And yet doachu keish kotzim, they get burnt up like uh, thorn fire. You know, like whenever you burn uh, uh, like a um, little bit of kindling or something like that, it goes out right away. That's all they got. So in other words, now he's reflecting on taking that same faith that he experienced from his personal travail from which he was saved, and then appropriating it to the national field. 
saying the nations surround me. I'm not concerned. They attack me like bees. They're going to go out like a little fire. That's it. And then it seems that, again, there's a shift. And part of that is because, in a sense, he's talking to the nations. And uh, takes us back to to Kuchtet Zayin. But um, here he's saying, you have tried to push me down to fall, Vadonai Azarani. And again, Be'ozrai, God is the one who helped me up. It's like he's speaking to the nation who attempted to destroy him. Oziv Zimratiyana. You're familiar with that pasuk, of course, from Shirakayam, but also you're familiar with it from Yeshayahu Yodbet, which for Oziv Zimratiyana, those psukim. Zimrat here clearly means something about strength because the three times that it shows up in Tanakh, which I just mentioned, those are the two in here, are all, they have the word Oz next to them. Hashem is my strength. Vahili Yeshua. That's where my Yeshua comes from. Which means there's been some sort of a development in the last few psukim from Hashem lead Be'ozrai to Vahili Yeshua. Hashem is though among those who help me to He's the, the salvation. And then Kol Rinav Yeshua Sadikim. Now Rinav Yeshua seems to be another example of a hendayitis. We talked about that in the beginning of Kuftet Vav of two nouns in which really the first of those nouns should be seen as an adjective. Right, which means Kol Rinata Yeshua, the voice of singing for His Yeshua. But Sadikim is in the Ohalim of the in the in the tense of in this point in this case Sadikim should be read really as it is throughout Tanakh as the innocent, because you mean Adonai Osachayom, God's right hand is acting valorously, and then he continues, and this is an epistrophe where he uses the same line at the uh, same phrase at the end of the next pasuk. God's hand is raised, and God's hand is acting valorously. And what's all this about? So if we look back, we see that up until Pasuk Yodbet, it was about the nation surrounding me, and I'm confident that I'm going to be saved, and then it becomes more active. You have tried to push me down, and Hashem helped me, Hashem is my strength. And I remember, we first encountered Shiratayam, and then we hear the sound of rejoicing in the tents of those who have been saved, and what are they saying? They're saying Hashem's hand is lifted, Hashem's hand is high, Hashem's hand, hand is acting valorously. So I'm going to suggest that this is a poetic retake on the night of Pesach. The night of Pesach and Mitzrayim, kol or rinata Yeshua meaning all the Jews sitting in their homes, eating Korban Pesach, are singing. And when they find out what's happened in the neighboring homes, they say, what is their song? God's right hand, right? God's, I'm going to take you out. So this is God's right hand, God's hand coming and killing the firstborn and affecting our Yeshua. This is not the first time that Yitzhak Mitzrayim is invoked and alluded to in Hallel. It starts, of course, with the Beit Yisrael Mitzrayim, which is very, very uh, overt. We also saw it at the end of Kuftet Vav with Luham Etim Yahaluyah and the and the uh, the polemic against the cult of the dead of Egypt. We saw it in Kuftet Zion where the plays on on words kept coming back to Mitzarei Shaol. A lot of references to Mitzrayim, allusions to Mitzrayim, and here they again, again seems to be coming back to Mitzrayim. And it's no wonder that's what we call this Halal Halal Mitzrayim. 
and the focal point of this halal, the most powerful experience of this halal is at the Seder and is Mishkitat Korban Pesach. And so now there's yet a shift because up until now there's been a description of something happening and now whoever's singing is making a pledge. And it seems to be coming back to the individual. Lo amut ki echia. Ki here means, of course, rather. I'm not going to die, rather I'm going to live. And I am going to tell the story the story of Hashem's deed. Now, the question is, how does that work? Is this a, he's averring, I'm not done, I'm still going to, or is he saying, because of the fact that I was attacked and I was threatened mm-hmm. and saved, therefore I'm going to tell the story of Hashem. And that, that second, which seems to be less likely, that second interpretation is strengthened by the next pasuk, pasuk which is, Yasor Yisraniya, God has afflicted me, but Tanani, which means he seems to be uh, praising and thanking God for the fact that he was under threat and that he was near death's door and was saved because that gave him the ability to appreciate a whole lot of things, including life and salvation and the tenuousness of existence and how wonderful it is to be breathing. And so he seems to get very excited so excited that it's like he can't wait to come into the Beit Hashem and thank him. And watch what he says. It's like you can imagine the guy before dawn standing outside of the Mikdash waiting for the doors to open. I want to come into the Mikdash and there I want to thank Hashem. And he points and says, And you can imagine perhaps these are Levim responding and saying when he says, I want to come in, Come on in. And now we get to the point of this entire exercise, which is, of course, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving happens here. By the way, you notice that everything up until here has been, I want to give thanks. Here's what I want to give thanks. I sent this for me. I want to give thanks. Fine. Now give thanks. Enough talking about it. Let's do it. And you'll notice that starting in Pasuk Chafalath all the way to the end of Halal, we repeat the truth. Repeat each Pasuk. So to say, this is really the culmination. And repetition may mean that originally it was a call and response. Odecha ki anitani. Now, it's a strange phrase. I thank you because... Now, what's anitani mean? It really seems to mean from the vocalization, it means you have afflicted me. Meaning, I'm thanking you because you afflicted me. You taught me that lesson. Bati li and you saved me. And then, evan masua bonim. Now, this now seems to be shifting to the national. And um, and that means we have to reflect back and see the previous Pesukim all as being, even though in the singular, as being on the national plane. Evan Masua Bonim, the rock that was rejected by the builders, Haitala Rosh Pina. That became the cornerstone. And most of the Rishonim take the position, this is talking about Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael that was rejected by Riel, so it was an afterthought. It was a dying nation. It was a disappearing nation. Uh, you could read in almost every generation, people writing us off. It became the cornerstone. It became suddenly the center of everything. And this is This is only from God. Now notice how we've developed. From God is with me among my friends, among my helpers. God is the one who helps me. And then this is only from God. Nothing like this could happen any other way. And it's sort of like the, the way people were talking about 67. In June 67, people turned and said, this can't have happened except from God. Only from God. 
And then Hini Flat Be'inenu is the explanation, meaning this is so wondrous in our eyes, it can only be from God. The fact that Evan Masuah Ben Imaytah, the Rosh Pinah, the one that was rejected has become the center. This is divine, divine acts. And therefore, and this has a delicious, delicious, and I think deliberate ambiguity. This is the day that Hashem has done, meaning, right? We're saying it as if we're replicating the day of the salvation and the day where Am Yisrael takes center stage on the, on the, on, in history. We will rejoice and be happy, Bo, Hut Bo, Bo Bayom, and Bo Bashem. And again, it's deliberate ambiguity. We will rejoice on this day, and we rejoice in Hashem. And now something absolutely staggering happens. And I think we're all sensitive to it, but we're so involved in singing, or else looking at our watch and running out of show, that we're, depending on what day it is, that we're not, don't pay attention to how weird this is. We're at the apex of celebration, of thanksgiving to God. And then suddenly we turn around and say, Anna Adonai Hoshiana. And we even break this pasuk in half. And repeat it. And then, Anna Adonai Hatzlichana. Now, Anna means please. And Na means now. It's like urgent. Please, Hashem, save us now. How, why are we marring our celebration with these words of desperation? The answer is that's exactly what this whole thing is teaching. Is that Hashem bringing us to a precipice, to a difficult situation, to a, uh, a threat, is actually a great salvation in and of itself. Because it helps us put everything in a perspective. And appreciate the most important things. And then the salvation comes and we can appreciate it. So exactly at this moment, we turn and say, Hashem, save us now. We recognize that there's always threats looming. Save us now. And then Hatzlichana, speedily and quickly, bring us to, to a better position. And then we get to these last four psukim, which seem or act very clearly as a closure to the whole piece. And the Levim are turning to the group that has come up to the Mikdash and are leaving. That's how they greet them. We are blessing you, We're the ones who in Beit Hashem. We're blessing you from here. Now this pasuk, nobody can figure out. I'll propose something, but El Adonai Hashem is is um, is the powerful one. And he brings light to us. He enlightens us. That part's easy. Literally tie the korban with chains all the way to the horns of the Mizbeach. Now, not only is such a practice not attested to, such a practice is basically a sewer. There's no way that you could tie something. The korban to Mizbeach, by the way, are very high. And it's a very strange phrase. Does it mean that they would tie an animal down so that they could shaft it properly? Does it mean that they actually had cords that were there to keep the crowds away from violating the Ezrat Kohanim? Unclear. But the way some would read it is, that that's the end of the sentiment. And then perhaps they're then turning and saying, put a boundary up. In any case, does seem to be the people's response. You're telling us you're blessing us in the name of Hashem. We're responding that on a personal level, each one of us has had this experience. You are my God. I thank you, which is how the whole thing started, or do. You are my God, and I will exalt you. And then, is very likely a call and response. 
And that's how it ends. Now, to go properly more into this parak, we need another hour. But hopefully we've sketched out some of the basics and talked about the meaning of the words and the context. Now, if you look at this page, I believe that the structure of the parak actually speaks for itself, and it works into, into a, a group of quatrains of four psukim stories. The first four psukim, very obviously, a piece by themselves, the introduction. Then you have Minha Metzar, which is four psukim, about the individual experiencing his trouble and his salvation. And then the shift to taking that message to the, to the national scene. And then in the middle, there is a description seemingly of taking us back to Yitzhak Mitzrayim and to the events of Mitzrayim and highlighting this as an example of the nations against me and Hashem coming to save me. And that leads to a commitment. The commitment here is I, the individual, each individual is going to say, I'm going to continue to praise Hashem, and I want to come into the Mikdash to do it. And then finally over here, the person, they come in and they actually do give thanks. And that's where we start repeating Sukim. And at the highlight of the thanks, the coda, that the, the crescendo of the thanks, is to turn to God and say, God, we need your help. We're in trouble. Because there's an existential reality of being in trouble. It's not anything that's political or looming. It's just the very, our, our existence always calls out for need. And then there's the farewell blessing that we have here, where we um, greet everybody properly, meaning greet them to prepare them to leave and send them off God's blessings. And the people then respond, Now notice, this pasuk begins and ends the parak, but they function very differently. At the beginning of the parak, this line is invoked by the Levine to get everyone to start the Thanksgiving process. And then we have this whole beautiful structural series that takes us to the culmination, At the end here, as the Levine are saying goodbye, then the people are reflecting back and saying, this is indeed the phrase that typifies what our visit here to the Nitash is about and what, what it is that we're trying, that we, that we accomplished which was to give thanks to Hashem and to recognize that his chesed endures forever and that we are, Baruch Hashem, the beneficiaries of his chesed. And we should all have a wonderful yontif and really be able to enjoy with full simcha um, the experience of Hallel and uh, and Hashem to always be noshra'im, a nation that is am noshah, but am noshah and to recognize that our salvation always comes from a first bar.